Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for the Lord has done marvelous things. God's right hand and holy arm have gotten the victory. The Lord has remembered steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Bring it forth into joyous song and singing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the floods clap their hands. join our voices and our hearts in our gathering prayer. Loving God, source of all true light, life, and love, let the blessings of your presence, your power, and your peace flow forth within and among us in this hour of worship. May we receive of your grace in ways that strengthen our capacities to live as your people in this place. Further your work in and through us as you conform us even more fully into your image in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please.
Good morning. Our scripture lesson this morning is from Luke chapter 20, verses 27 through 38, and can be found in your pew Bible on page 855. Some Sadducees, those who, saw, who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a, man bro- a man's brother dies, leaving a wife, but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless. Then the second, and then the third married her. And so in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Oops, sorry. Now he is God, not of the dead, but of the living, for to him all of them are alive. I know there's been a lot of additions and uh, updates on your building and your grounds, and it's lovely to see. Uh, Elliot warned me that after 15 minutes into the sermon, there's a trap door right below my feet. So I'm all set. I will. <clears throat> so this is the first Sunday of November, the first Sunday after All Saints Day, November 1st. Um, part of my tradition for many years was to recall the names of loved ones who had preceded us into God's heavenly realms at this time of the year, uh, have some bit of a memorial remembrance. This is also stewardship season, and clearly you're right in the midst of it, as we are at our church in Burlington. We just got our, our stewardship packet. My wife spent two hours helping the volunteers at the church fold and put them together uh, with all their little you know, mailing additions. Um, so it's not, it, not the typical time for a pastor to be away, and Elliot made it clear that 
This, this wouldn't have been his first choice to take time off, but there was something in Prowling that took him away, and therefore my privilege to be here with you. Also, clearly an important time of year to be thinking about the big questions of life, of life and death, of life's meaning, of life's purpose, of who we are, how we got here, and what's our calling, what is our future. Uh, I read a lot of books, especially in retirement, get to read the books that I didn't have to read as a pastor. Uh, I've been working my way through a whole lot of shelves, and I can't help buying new ones, sad to say. I just keep loading them up. Um, so I'm curious about philosophy and about uh, near-death experiences and about the human physiology and the brain and how everything works. Uh, I've always been curious, even as a kid, um, in my early Childhood, uh, growing up in Montpelier, we were part of the Methodist Church, went to Sunday school, went to church camp, went to youth groups, and I kept questioning this whole concept of God and prayer. And I remember spending time at night, you know, having my little prayer time before falling asleep and saying, God, I'm, I'm speaking to you, but how about you speak to me sometime? You know, how about we make this a two-way conversation? And then I had moments when I did feel like God was speaking to me. Uh, in fact, I had started using the Lord's Prayer as a, a prayer before falling asleep, and if I forgot a phrase or a word, I'd have to go back and start at the beginning again. It was just a little routine, a little ritual. And I figured, well, here I am saying the Lord's Prayer all by myself. Why should I say our Father? I might as well say my Father. So I changed saying the Lord's Prayer, used the words my Father. Wouldn't you know, on a Sunday morning, the preacher got up and said, never say the Lord's Prayer by using the word my Father. <laughs> Always say our Father, because God's everyone's God. And I said, oh my God, he is speaking to me. <laughs> now, growing up in the same town from eight, eight years old to 15 years old, I managed to find a core group of friends, and we were hanging out, and we'd do this, and we'd do that, and we were just on the verge of when I probably would have started to get into trouble. Not enough to end up in Virginia, but enough... <laughs> enough to make it different in my life. Um, in fact, one of my close friends stole a quart of beer on a Friday night uh, from the Grand Union. He walked out with it under his coat, and as I recall, he drank the whole thing. I don't think I even got a sip, but just saying, it was at that point. So at that moment, at the end of the summer, uh, after my freshman year of high school, my father had an opportunity to travel from Montpelier, Vermont, to Ann Arbor, Michigan to attend the University of Michigan for one year for a 12-month program in a master's degree in public health. Um, so I left Montpelier as a freshman, had my sophomore year in Ann Arbor, and it was a totally complete change. Everything was so different. A college town, we lived in a high-rise apartment on the edge of the, of the city. Um, I was completely released or set free from all the kind of peer group influences that had been part of my life, building, 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 from third to ninth grade. And it, I think it opened me up to a deeper level of a spiritual search because I was that kid that was spiritually searching, even though I was also, you know, interested in some of those other things in life, like, uh, you know, sex and drugs and rock and roll, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it was the 60s, what can I say? I remember most of it. Um, so, so I, I was in this spiritual quest, and um, I had a very nice church, very nice youth group. They took us on a weekend to the shores of Lake Michigan, where there are sand dunes, a big, long stretch of dunes. And I walked by myself the length of the dunes that we were there for that day, 
staring out over the vast expanse of Lake Michigan, you know, and just saying, God, if you're really there, you know, come on, let's make something more happen here. Let's have some kind of connection. Let's make it real. Um, within days or weeks after that weekend, I had what I now consider to be an out-of-body experience. I was in my bed. I was sleeping on the bottom bunk. My brother was on the upper bunk in this whatever floor of Huron Towers. And I felt like I had left my body and was rising upwards, upwards, upwards. And it, it seemed to me that I was working very hard to pass through this very heavy, dense, yucky stuff, kind of like dark. I had never yet flown, but it was kind of like the idea that you're traveling upward through very heavy cloud cover, and then finally broke through. And instead of seeing the sun like you would in an airplane if you break through the dark clouds, I felt like there was this center from which everything was coming forth in all directions. And what was coming forth was this alive energy of conscious love and light. And I just felt drawn to that, wherever that source was. And, and I felt like I just went in that direction. And as I got closer, what I experienced, sort of in a sense as a visual experience, how I would try to describe it in words, is that there was this pulsing source of energy that was just coming out, all color, not like, you know, electric energy, but, but actual living substance. And just to the one side of that sense of this source was what I almost thought was a face. And in my experience of it, the face was the Christ, the risen Christ, the, the Jesus, you know, not a historical body, but a, a spiritual presence, a consciousness, an awareness. And, you know, as that kind of came to an end, I, I guess I ended up back in my body, went back to sleep, woke up the next day. Um, I relived that moment a lot. Now, um, unfortunately, although it was a tremendous spiritual wow, I didn't manage to fully incorporate it into my daily life. I, when we went to summer camp that summer, my youth group, the, the question was, what do you want to do when you grow up? I said, I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ when I grow up. Uh, didn't know what that meant had no sense of being called to be a pastor and struggled with that concept all through college until I finally just had no other choice and became a pastor. But what I am is a strong believer in whatever you want to call it. Life after death, life after life, um, God's heavenly realms that, that await us when this physical human life comes to an end. Uh, about 20 years ago, I read a book where a guy had uh, come across Teilhard de Chardin's phrase where he says that we're not just human beings who can have a spiritual experience, but instead of that, we are actually spiritual beings who are having a human experience. And so it's that perspective that informs and surrounds all that I try to be and all that I try to do as I live my life. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't spend hour upon hour watching British mysteries. Um, <laughs> it doesn't mean that I give away every penny that I earn, uh, you know, to some source or some cause, um, but it does mean that I constantly try to keep in, in that bigger perspective. What is God trying to do? How can I be of use to God doing what God wants to do? How can I be more of a channel, an open channel, through which God's love and presence and spirit can move through me to the lives of others? Um, I, I came across the phrase 
unnecessary suffering many years ago. There's plenty of suffering in this world that you just cannot avoid. It's going to be there. We, we, we lose loved ones, we go through changes, we go through losses of various kinds. Um, there's real pain, there's real hardship, there's real struggle. But how much of the human suffering could be alleviated by the simplest of changes in how lives are lived? We, we live in a system that's organized around certain processes, certain powers, certain you know, ways things are done. Uh, we call it a culture, we call it socioeconomics, call it politics, all that whole set of stuff that we live in. Every part of that has been organized by somebody. And every part of that could be changed by somebody. It doesn't have to be the way it is. It is the way it is, but it could be different. People like Martin Luther King Jr. had a vision of a beloved community in which all persons, of no matter their background, no matter their history, no matter the colors of their skin, all persons could be welcome and equal. All persons could be loved and cared for, like the little Mary Ann in my story, whose name I forgot but now remembered. Uh, and, and she wrote a book. This is, that was a true story, 100% true. That, I mean, just to say. Um, so for stewardship, for all saints, for all the ways that our lives can be enriched and empowered, I just would offer that invitation. Um, there's tons of books of near-death experiences. You know, physicians, neuro, 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 neurologists, a lot, lots of people of all backgrounds have, have had near-death experiences where they really literally felt that they left their body and observed and experienced and then came back and were revived. Um, almost in every case, they came back with a spiritual change that suddenly what their concerns were was, was not so much about the, the nitty-gritty, you know, am I going to get through this week's pension program, this, this week's Social Security, my Medicaid holdup, but rather a sense of we're all in this together, we're all part of one big something that is God and God's work in the world. How can we live in ways that do alleviate that unnecessary suffering or in some cases prevent it from happening in the first place? by changing the way the systems work and how they come out to be the way they are. One of my favorite sermons was when I preached about being a humane society. How often in the newspaper, in the obituaries, you may contribute to the humane society. <laughs> Lovely, I'm great, I'm all for supporting our pets, but you know what? I'd like to live in a society that is humane for people, for all people, truly, truly welcoming and providing for the needs of each and every one. So, I invite you to join me in a spiritual life, that life as children of the resurrection, a life in which we are being transformed from ego-centered selfishness to Christ-centered compassion that results in love, in action. I'm not even going to look at my watch. Amen.
Well, let's join our hearts as we offer prayer. I'll begin and then invite you to join with me in the, the Lord's Prayer as we have it in our program. Loving God, be here and now and everywhere, exalted and glorified. Hear the prayers of your people, hearts breaking out of concern for loved ones, and even for those that we do not know but who are known to you. You know our needs even before we ask, and, and you know our ignorance in asking. We just ask that your grace would so fill and flood this earth and all who live upon it, that your will would be sought and done, that your peace and power and presence would flow forth in even greater measure. So hear the prayers of us and all your people in every place and unite us in your spirit, in your light, and in your love as we share the prayer that has been taught to us by Jesus himself. Our creator who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Let us go forth filled with the light, the life and the love of the living God, the loving Christ and the Holy Spirit. Blessings be ours, not only to us, but through us to others. Amen.